Well, good morning. Glad you're here. Welcome, welcome to Faith Church. Thrilled to have you today. Uh, I hear there's a concert later today. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not. Hey, listen, uh, we're going to be in Colossians 3 today. So if you would go ahead and make your way to Colossians 3 digitally or in print form. And while you're doing that, I uh, want to share four things real quick, just kind of as a family. Can we do that? Just take a family minute for a second. Uh, the first is uh, today is, is the Super Bowl, and uh, our youth are kicking off this new season of their Youth Connects, their small groups, and they're kicking it off with a Super Bowl party here at the church. Uh, five o'clock, I believe, is the start time, so um, if that's not true, somebody can yell the correct time, but I believe it's five o'clock here. So if you have a teenager, middle school, high school, uh, get them here today. It's going to be fun. Uh, the second thing I wanted to say is please uh, forgive my voice. I love that we have a community that is generous <clears throat> and we share. I think sometimes we share a little too much. Um, so if I begin to cough today, uh, would you, one, just kind of excuse me, and two, use it as a moment, just pray for your pastor. Just say a little prayer, Lord, would you strengthen him and heal him? Can we, can we do that? Uh, many of you are watching online for that, that very reason, and if you're watching online, I want to encourage you to remove all of the distractions that you possibly can. Same goes for us in this room. Let's lean into what God has to say for us. Jesus didn't go halfway to the cross. He went all the way to the cross, and I think we can give him all of our attention and lean in, and so even in this room, uh, you'll notice that the last couple of weeks, we've been doing some different things on our screens here in the sanctuary, and we're doing that intentionally because we noticed that we have these pesky little poles that are in the way, and many of you, like, need a chiropractor after church every Sunday. So we're trying our best to help create an environment where everyone can engage and even those at home. And so we can all lean in today as we do that. And then finally, uh, next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday, Sunday. is Vision Sunday for us as a church. You're sharing some exciting opportunities and some things that are coming our way as a church. And so if Faith Church is kind of your church, if this, we are your people, would you please make it a priority to be with us next Sunday as we just kind of share how the Lord is leading us and share some of the hope that God is stirring in us for the future. It's going to be a good day. Amen? All right, Colossians 3. Today, we want to, I want to talk to you uh, around this idea that we are advancing. Everybody say advancing. advancing. We're advancing. We're being propelled by gratitude. That's thankfulness for the things that we've seen God do already. But we're also propelled by expectation, believing that there's more yet that he wants to do in our hearts and our lives. Not growing stagnant or stale in our faith, but having expectation for what he wants to do next. We also have this spiritual practices, these things that keep our feet on the ground, recognizing that our faith is not ethereal, our faith is lived out. Faith is an action word. It's not an intellectual interior word. It's a, something that's embodied. And we believe these spiritual practices keep us moving in the life of Christ. And then there's a humble unity that comes as a result. The, there are some tensions around this. Like I love the fact that there's gratitude and expectations because that keeps us moving forward without feeling entitled. When you have expectation and gratitude, 
It's easy to stay away from having an entitled heart and attitude. When you live with spiritual practice and a humble unity, it keeps, you, keeps us moving together without a sense of snobby self-righteousness and self-piety. Actually keeps us on the ground. This is a lot of what Paul is addressing in Colossians chapter 3. Let's look at the text together. Colossians 3, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. Since you have been raised to new life, somebody say new life, with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things that are lurking on the inside of you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lusts, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these very sins, the anger of God is yet coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Instead, put on your new nature. Somebody say new. new. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, a Raiders fan or a Chiefs fan. (laughs) Uncivilized Broncos fans. Slave or free. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. So since God chose you, since God chose you, you to be his holy people that he loves. Can I just pause? Does God love you? Yes or yes. Are you a part of the family of God? You have then been chosen and to be his holy people. Come on, pickled people. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults because you have faults. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone Who offends you? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 
Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony and in, in unity. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. That's wholeness. And always be thankful. Amen? I want to share three kind of big ideas with you today from this text about being a people who, who advance. Advance being propelled by things, propelled by gratitude and expectation and practices and, and this unity. How, how are we propelled in this way? The first thing I want you to see today is that we cannot advance apart from Christ. Your life will not advance to a flourishing place without Christ. You might find happiness here and there. You might build wealth here and there. You might feel like you have power and domination and you might make memories here and there, but your life will not flourish. The interior life of you will not flourish apart from Christ. In other words, you cannot experience peace without Christ. Peace is not the absence of conflict. You can experience a lack of conflict. All you have to do is avoid it. You can do that without Christ, sure. But you can't be made whole without Christ. You won't find this deep-rooted sense of joy despite your circumstance with, without Christ. You won't find a real sense of love apart from Christ. Because, like I said at Christmas, you were created with an infinite capacity to be loved and an infinite capacity to be loved cannot be filled by a finite person. It has to only be filled by an infinite being of love himself. That is God. So you cannot advance to a flourishing life apart from Christ. Hidden in Christ, hidden within the person of Jesus, are some key implications for our life today. Like, like number one, like, like there's a bodily resurrection that is the Christian hope. Jesus is seated in, in the unseen heavenly places right now. In a spiritual reality, he is there, but he is there fully physical, embodied. The resurrection of Jesus was not a disembodied spiritual experience. It was a physical embodied reality. This is the promise that comes to you and me. When Jesus returns, all those who belong to Christ and are in the family of God experience bodied resurrection. A new bodied beings living in a bodied experience with God forever. Heaven is not a disembodied spiritual experience. In the end, in the renewal of all things, we get to live in a bodied reality present with God just like in the garden from the very beginning. This is the hope that we have. Not just that we don't go to hell, but rather we get to fully experience the life that God intended in human form redeemed completely without evil in our midst. That's the Christian hope. It also means because we're hidden in Christ that, that because Christ is now the ultimate authority and power, there is no evil power that can distort or take away the life of God in you. Like the enemy of your soul only has access to you to the degree that you give him agency 
and you welcome him in. Prolonged periods of sin, this evil that's listed in Colossians 3, opens the door to the enemy having agency and a right to your life. But this is why we've been bought with the precious blood of Christ and his power renews us, frees us, and we can all be set free from those habitual things that often enslave us. And we've got to be able to get to the root of what those are, the root of, of the things that have entrapped us and enslaved us and caused this evil to rage continuing to lurk in us. That's why you need to go through the freedom group. Get to the root lies and the root cause of the habits in your life that aren't producing the life of God. But you can experience the life of God. There's this understanding that in Christ, that the, the peace of Christ abides where the life of Christ has been seeded and cultivated in us. So again, apart from Christ, you will not experience the flourishing life of God. In Christ, though, is seeded all of the life of God, and it can be cultivated in you through a life of faith through a life of allegiance to Jesus, through a life of, of pursuing him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is how we cultivate the, the life of God. In other words, there is the life of the Spirit of God living in you, trying to overrun what has been lurking in you for so long, and whichever one you feed is the one that grows strong. So you can feed the life of God in you, and you begin to grow strong in that. Or you feed the sinful things that are lurking within you and it will grow. You can let weeds grow or you can flourish and let the plants grow. It's all depending on what you feed and, and fertilize. This is, this is why Paul is writing to Colossians and he, he's writing to the church and he's saying, hey, listen guys, you, you can't advance apart from Christ, but in Christ you can advance. In Christ, you will get to experience the renewal of all things that begins now. See, Christ wants to be at work in you now to begin the life of God in you now that will be ongoing into the life in the world that is to come. In other words, he wants to teach you what love looks like now so that when love is perfect and fully come later, you're already well ahead of the game. You've already built that life up. He wants to work a life of God in you so that you're, you're already used to forgiving people now and so that you can represent God now. And he says, set your minds on things above. In other words, he wants you to be so heavenly minded that you can do maximum earthly good. How do you do maximum earthly good while you live this life? You live like Jesus. You become more like Christ and less like the old person you used to be. The more we become like Christ, he says, the more peace reigns in our hearts, the more life reigns in our hearts, the more the kingdom of God is seen by other people. We get to help bring about the renewal of all things beginning now and see it ongoing into the life and the world that is to come. So, so knowing this, knowing that Christ is in us and with Christ in us, we have the seeds to live a life that pleases God as his holy people, as the scripture says. That's how we can advance beyond our sinful carnality and our worldly mindset now. And instead we can fix our thoughts on things that are to come above setting our thoughts on the ways of God rather than the ways of the world. If we can't advance apart from Christ, here's the second thing I want you to know, is that you cannot advance while making the same old choices. 
If you're going to put on Christ, that means you put on some new choices. How you practice is who you become. These spiritual practices of living the life of God is, is actually us making a choice day in and day out to live like Jesus rather than, than to put on the old nature and live like the old person that we've been set free from. You get to choose your wardrobe every day. You get to choose the clothes that you're putting on. Today, today's wardrobe was a no-brainer. Just made sense that I would wear this today. Because last year I wore it and we won. And I'm not superstitious, but I might be a little stitious. Right? Like, hey, easy now. You have a choice. You can put on and practice the life of God in your daily decisions today. Or you can make a choice to continue in the patterns of ways of living that got you trapped, stuck, and didn't cause you to flourish to begin with. In the book, Screwtape Letters, the author C.S. Lewis, I was reading through it again this week, and uh, it's a satirical look of two demons and tempting demons uh, trying to uh, betray and reverse um, a, a, a Christian. Try, try, so, so it's a, a comical look, if you will, very candid, nonetheless, look from a, an, a, a demon's perspective of a Christian's life. And early on, um, Screwtape, the, the more advanced demon, is writing uh, his nephew, uh, who is a novice, up-and-coming apprentice demon. And he writes uh, his nephew, and he says this, My dear Wormwood, I note with grave displeasure that your patient has now become a Christian. There is no need to despair, though. Hundreds of these adult converts have been reclaimed after a brief sojourn in the enemy's camp and are now with us. All the habits of the patient, both mental and bodily, are still in our favor. In other words, he's helping us understand that many of us get converted because we have an illuminated insight and understanding that God is God and we are not and we need God. But we never embody our faith and make different choices so we still stay stuck in a sinful life. In other words, if you don't begin to change the choices that you make, that cause you to take steps towards God and you keep taking steps towards yourself, towards the world, towards your old ways, the enemy isn't worried about you at all because your choices will ultimately lead you to destruction yet again. We cannot advance while making the same old choices. So Paul writes and he says, deal a death blow to the evil habits and thoughts within you. Like, deal a death blow by the to the contamination of self-love, things that you think you're doing because you desire to do them and you want to do them and they make you feel loved in and of yourself and your own attempt to make your life good, suffocate the seeds of those things right now. And he lists these, these 10 kind of pagan sins and, and vices that grip 
so many people before they come to Jesus and grip many people still after they make profession of their faith in Jesus. And he says things like sexual immorality. This is a, a Greek catch-all term for any sexual activity outside the covenant bounds of one man and one woman in matrimony. Any other arousal and activity outside of those confines falls into this category. He talks about impurity. He talks about lust, those, those desires that rage in us. It's not the actions, but it's just the desires that ultimately lead us to a choice. He says you've got to suffocate the very desires that, that are kind of being contaminated. Don't feed those because if you will just not feed those, you'll actually have a different result on the other end. He talks about things like evil desire, which is like wishing harm or evil on another person. Maybe because they did you wrong, they cut you off in traffic, whatever. Like wishing harm on the people who have yet to design a proficient school pickup line. You know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> he talks about things like greed. The, the, the incessant need for more and to satisfy with your own materialism. Can I just let you in on, on, on a little something? He calls this an idolater, a, a worshiper of something other than. And I don't have time to go into how worshiping idols and giving your affection to other things actually allows the evil spirit of that thing to begin to impact and infiltrate your own life. I don't have time to unpack all of that today, but, but it occurs and it happens more often than what you would, you would think, which is why the Bible talks about idolatry so much. Anything, this goes back to our message yesterday, last Sunday on Focus. Anything in your life you are unwilling to put a limit and boundary on eventually becomes an idol that has possession of your soul to some degree. Anything, let me say it another way, you are unwilling to surrender to God's command and lordship is an idol in your life. I would never give God 10% of my money. There's your idol. Whether you give 10% or not is not the issue. It's a different subject for another day. It's the fact that you're unwilling to surrender it indicates that it's a God in your life. I, I would you fill in the blank. Whatever it is, you're, uh, I can't believe Pastor told us to cut out some of our streaming platforms. Doesn't he know how much fun those things are? I can't believe he told me to play less video games and start to focus and get less distracted. I can't believe, how dare he try to control my life? I, let's, I, anything you're unwilling to surrender and a place a limit on indicates an idol that's growing in your life. And if you want to see the flourishing life of God advance in you, it's going to require some different choices. He talks about anger, this wrathful revenge, rage, which is like violent anger expressed against people, malicious behavior. This is like where you manipulate and use coercive power to put and lord over someone else and put someone else in their place to make you feel better about your own power, feeling good about your own sense of control. He uses things like slander, which is insulting character with deceitful terms. You know how you talk about someone else just untrue enough to paint them in a bad picture? To, to assassinate their character with your words, where you're not really being honest about that, you're just painting it in a light that makes you feel better about the in, individual or your own sense, and you, you begin to slander them. Dirty language. This isn't just like certain words. It's actually intent behind certain words. And then he says things like lying. Stop lying to each other. This is huge. 
Like, we, we, we come to church often, and it's so easy to mislead people to think something that isn't quite true of us. It, it's easy to, in your small group, to say, yeah, would you um, just pray for, for uh, my, my wife and I? We're, we're just kind of having a, a tough patch right now. And what you really want to say is you're bitter because you haven't made love in so long and you're dealing with bitterness, but you don't actually want to get honest with it. You would just rather color it with Christian words. What you really want to say is, I watched porn last night for the first time in 10 years and I feel absolutely sick about it, but what you say is, I'm just struggling with some things right now. I'm sorry, am I getting too honest? Listen, as the people of God, if we can put away those lies and those falsehoods and those deceptions, we actually will begin to see the life of God grow in us. I'll say it again later, but God cannot heal the you that you pretend to be. He only can be healed the you that you present in truth to him. Paul says, suffocate the very oxygen from these evil things in your life. It's like, like start putting them to, to death. Friends, God is not keeping us from having fun. He's not a cosmic killjoy. He's actually keeping us from destroying our ability to experience lasting joy in our lives. I found this video uh, a couple weeks ago, and, it, and it, it visually depicts perfectly what we think about. It's, you see this? This is what we think God is doing. Like, God is just trying to tell us to not use chainsaws. Like chainsaws are bad. It's awful. You do realize there are more warning labels on a chainsaw than like almost any other equipment that you buy. Not because they don't want you to use the chainsaw. They just don't want you to like kill the very life in you. <laughs> this is though what we think God does. That he is just some, he's just trying to keep us from front. No, he's trying to get you to, to not destroy what will actually cause you to flourish. Living life in God's ways according to his commands is the only way truth to real life. And you cannot flourish in your own ways apart from a surrendered life to God. Here's the, the last big thought today, and that's this, is that we cannot advance apart from Christ's body. You can't advance apart from Christ, and you can't advance apart from making, if you keep making the same old choices, and you cannot advance into a flourishing life on your own. See, to love God with all your heart requires that you love Christ's body, which is his people. And his people are kind of messed up. We be. But there's something that Paul is hinting at here that actually helps us unlock. Like, like around the people of God is the environment and the right people to help cultivate a life of God flourishing in you. I, I'm not saying going to church is the thing. I think it's valuable and that's, I think, a part of loving the body and the family of God. But it's actually being... Uh, submitted and committed to relationships that help you flourish. We cannot advance 
in pagan isolation, kind of hiding even our own sinful tendencies. We cannot advance in selfish individualism if we want to advance in the life of the kingdom of God. We need the bond of a family in loving unity. This is what Paul says in in Colossians 3. Because on your own, you will keep making the same choices you've always made. But in Christian community, you might find the strength and encouragement to grow together. What does it look like to love God? What does it look like to really love God and grow in love for God? You want to know what it looks like? It looks like loving his body the way he says to love his body. How did he say? He gives us five things here in Colossians. In Galatians, he gives us several others, known as the fruit of the Spirit. In Ephesians, he gives us a more condensed list. In Philippians, he reminds us of some other things and it relates to rejoicing. But in Colossians, he's writing to the church and he gives us five expressions to combat the the two different sets of five of pagan, selfish, self-deprecating choices that we make that destroy us from the outside in. And he's giving us some things that can grow from the inside out to produce a flourishing life. He says, clothe yourself in things like being, having tender-hearted mercy. Tender-hearted mercy is sympathy or affectionate compassion for people. Listen, when you have tender-hearted mercy, people will confess to you their faults and you'll walk right alongside them, not shame them or scorn them, but rather encourage them to take a step in the right direction towards God. We fear rejection, but what we need to know is that there's tender-hearted mercy on the other side of our confessions. We need kindness, and the kindness isn't just to be like waving and smiling. We can all wave and smile, boys, right? Like we can all do that. This word kindness, I I looked it up in a couple different Bible uh, dictionaries, and I thought this was a brilliant articulation of the word kindness. Here's what kindness is. Useful goodness. It's practical generosity. That's kindness. Like doing things to be kind and generous. Expressing goodness in tangible ways towards other people. That's more than just friendliness isn't it? He says it's, it's kindness. He says it's humility. This understanding that I'm putting myself second so that I can honor someone else instead. It's, it's this modesty and, and a willingness to understand someone else's life and their perspective. It's things like gentleness. Gentleness isn't just like a pushover. Gentleness is strength under control. It's humble and it's meek. I, uh, many of you know my father-in-law. He's a mountain of a man, uh, a, a former dairy farmer. His hands are larger than my face, my face, I believe. And I remember meeting him for the first time, terrified. It's like this man can crush me with one hand. I don't know what is going to happen in my life right now. Am I making a wise choice? What I come to find out is he's a teddy bear. He is somebody who is gentle in the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because he has strength, but it's under control. He says to add to your life patience instead. This long-suffering, suffering 
for a long time. Forbearance. Like not getting annoyed the first time someone comes to connect group and they talk too much. Oh, all of a sudden we got real real. Oh, oh, look out now. Like somebody sat in your seat on Sunday three weeks in a row and you have to dodge the pole from now on. Get here on time. I don't know what to tell you. Come on. And then he takes it a step further and says, hey, forgive one another because Christ forgave you. Yeah, but they don't deserve forgiveness. It's okay. Neither did you. Forgiveness means to grant a release. I'm granting a release to them because I know God is judge over them. And either God is judge or I'm sitting in the seat of judgment. Forgiveness doesn't make the consequences go away, nor does it restore the relationship to where your BFFs doesn't remove all boundaries in your life. But forgiveness does grant them release unto God and letting God be God and you not. And then he says, have this love that leads to this harmony. This is what it needs to look like in our lives. If we're going to advance, it's because we're learning to love each other like that. Which takes a lot of courage and bravery and boldness. Which isn't by default our nature on how we interact with one. We would rather just settle for pleasantries and saying hello. Rather than allowing people actually into our life to know who we are. Listen, we are not here to pretend, but rather to put to death sin so that we can grow. If you're thinking about joining a connect group, you should. But if you're going to join a connect group and not actually engage and be the, be, bring yourself to the group, then don't show up and don't sign up. If you're going to have a group and you're just going to treat it like another Christian activity that you do so that you can pretend like you're growing in God, but not actually make different choices so that you grow in God, don't show up. It's really okay. God will not change the person you pretend to be, but he will be the person that you honestly repent about. The person that he knows you to be. Many of us, and I say this with just so much love. There's no shade in, in my saying this. But I need us to understand something. So many of us, like the person referenced in the screw tape letters, have not actually advanced in our maturity, even though we've been going to church for 15 years. You haven't had 15 years of practice following Jesus. You've had one year of following Jesus repeated 15 times. Which is why you've never read the whole Bible, why you've never gotten in a group, you've never served, and you're still dealing with some of the same habits that you've dealt with for so many years. Because you'll do just enough to feel better about yourself, but not honest enough to actually find the healing and transformation that comes from Christ. You've never advanced, you've just repeated a cycle. We are advancing. And we want to advance together. How can we cultivate this kind of social dynamic? I wrote one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, because that's God's number seven. I had six, and I was like, no, 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 we're not stopping at six. We're going to go to seven. <laughs> seven kind of 
thus saith the Lord commandments to join a connect group. Can, can I just give you these seven? My staff has never heard these before, and they're like, oh, great, we have new things now. Wonderful. Uh, that's, they love me. It's fine. If you, how do we cultivate the, the right kind of relationship so that we can actually advance together? It's going to require us to be kind, generous, and tenderhearted. We're going to have to be honest and gentle with people when they're honest. Not walking in self-righteousness, piety, no, just gentleness. Be humble and hold to God-honoring standards in your life. Be humble. Yes, we all sin, but we don't all have to keep sinning. Sometimes we use that excuse to say, yeah, we're all sinners. I know we all mess up. Because we have no intentions of actually trying to make a different choice next time. But humility actually shows this sense of surrender and says, I'm gonna, now I'm going to take a step towards God's standards. And you might miss it. You, you might do it really well for five days and then screw it up on the sixth day. Guess what? Go for seven days next time. All right, I'm going to go for seven instead of five. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to go for ten this time instead of four. Right? I'm, I'm just going to keep taking more steps towards Jesus because that's called practice. We're not called for perfection but we all called to practice in the right direction. Humble and uh, holding to a God understanding. Be brave as you confess your faults, your shortcomings. Where, 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 you, where you're finding God and where you're, you're failing, you feel like, with God. Be honest about Be bra- It takes bravery to go first. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had uh, somebody, uh, a young man in our church, text me. And, and he was kind of just acknowledging something that he was just struggling with. And I was so proud of him because without any prompting from me in our men's group, just two days later, he acknowledged that same struggle to all of the men. It had to do with, with money and, and, and struggling with understanding some things about God. I was so proud of him. Why? Because he modeled bravery. When you model bravery, it actually creates safety for people to themselves act in bravery and honesty. Be present, bearing each other's burdens. If you're going to be in a connect group, let's be present and let's be willing to bear one another's burdens to hear and to listen and to be present. I've heard it said that it takes eight minutes of being present with somebody who is struggling to help them not struggle, to help them beyond that struggle. Having a rough day, feeling disappointed, call a friend and be with them for eight minutes and it gives them the courage to move forward in the right way. Eight minutes. Let's be those kinds of friends for people. Be those kinds of people among one another because we want to advance. Be patient and quick to give mercy. Be patient and quick to give mercy. There will be many people in church world that you need to be patient with. People who open their uh, mint wrappers way too loud in the middle of church. Be patient with them. People who show up to connect group, don't bring any food, eat more food and ask for food to go. People who overshare, people who never share. Come on. Be patient. This is actually what, what, what practicing your faith looks like, these things. Be forgiving without shade or shame. Shame. 
be forgiving without shade or shame. Why? Because you needed forgiveness too. Shame keeps us stuck in the same habits. But when we have a clear picture of Jesus and his forgiveness, it actually allows us to move beyond and make a different choice next time. John Thompson, an author, was, shared something this week, and I thought it was really helpful in this way. He says, when we all face shame as Christians, our hearts and the demonic usually begin to tell us to suppress what we feel, to just struggle with it in silence, what we desire or even what we are. The world, much of the time, will beckon us to embrace and become these things. But for us, that walk with Jesus, our response should never be suppression, denial, or rebellion, but always surrender. When we know we are loved by the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, we need not hide anything. Suppression only leads to apathy, guilt, hypocrisy, or a shipwrecked faith. Transparent surrender allows authenticity and costly worship at the same time, which truly is normal Christian discipleship. Friends, we are advancing, being propelled by gratitude, knowing what God has done. Expectation that we're going to walk in victory and overcome all the struggles and live a life that honors God. We're going to put into spiritual practice what it looks like to be kind, forgiving, tenderhearted, full of mercy, generous, kind, forbearance with one another. And we want to walk in a humble unity that says Christ's love is what binds us all together. And we're not perfect, but we are the people of God called to practice and live a life after him. Lest you think that joining a connect group looks like group therapy, it doesn't. Unless you feel like it's really intimidating, and, and I get it, it can be. I'm trying to paint a compelling picture for us of what it looks like to not be in isolation as followers of Christ anymore. And that requires all of us to show up and participate and to practice our faith honestly together. The highs and the lows. Whatever kind of group that you end up joining, and I hope that you do join a group, and I hope you do participate, and I do, do engage. I just hope we can be fully us in those environments and be brave enough to be present in a way that allows Jesus to change who we are. I, I hope that we get to the point in our relationships with one another and that we're demonstrating enough of God's love that we can watch the Chiefs games all together knowing that we get a little out of hand on Super Bowl. But knowing that there's no guilt or condemnation or shame coming our way, but rather a sense of bravery among us because Christ is enough. Today, we're going to take a minute of reflection. And as we do, you'll have an opportunity to take communion. 
kind of on your own. If you would, go ahead and grab your communion elements and get them in hand and you can open them up. If you didn't get the elements and you're a follower of Jesus, just kind of make that awkward eye contact with our host and without shame, they will hand you some elements. I'm going to just say a simple prayer and then Taylor's going to begin to sing this song. This song that we introduced actually on Sabbath Sunday called What Else? It's an original by our, our team here. Some of you this week were trying to find it like on Spotify. It's not there yet. I love this song. What else? It's actually a song all about our repentance. Repentance means to turn around. It means to be going one direction towards the old sinful way of life and to turn around and take steps towards God, towards His way, putting on the new Christ. My question I want us to to kind of just ask the Lord is, Lord, is there anything I need to surrender? Is there anything in my life that is ceding to the carnal sinful ways that you're asking me to repent and turn towards you? So as we sit, we listen to these words, we're not going to take a real long time, just a couple minutes. After you've had a little bit of moment with the Lord of reflection of your own heart, your own soul, making your own repentance, you can take the elements when you're ready. Remembering that the bread represents his body and the cup represents his forgiveness. His body, which brings us wholeness, peace, and his blood, which brings us complete forgiveness. So Lord, here we are. We are your people. We want to be holy. And we want to advance into your ways. Lord, would you speak to us today? Show us, God, where we need to surrender and where we need to repent. In Jesus' name.
what it looks like to honor you with our life and Lord as we do it not in isolation but in honesty and vulnerability and with the people around us Holy Spirit would you make us more like Jesus make us more like you be that oxygen may we feed the spirit of the life of God in us each and every day and help us Lord to suffocate to remove the very opportunity of the things of sinful ways of our old ways our old patterns God help us to make decisions that help us reroute around those things entirely Lord we thank you that you're at work in our hearts to will and to do of your good pleasure we thank you for it we thank you for it Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would hear your spirits leading more than we hear shame concealing some things in us. Lord, may your voice be louder than any other voice around us. Lord, may we not resent your provision because of the pathway to receiving your forgiveness and your provision. Lord, may, may we not resent simply because we're resisting repentance. Lord, help us to realize that we just need to turn and start walking in your direction. So, Lord, I thank you for the courage, the boldness, the, the faith to walk in your ways. 
Lord, I pray that there would be a sense of your love that would touch every heart and every mind and every life in this room and those watching online. Lord, what else could we need? You're all that we need, Lord. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.